This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. The new covenant was fulfilled through the blood, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Where, in, in, where the Old Testament, they were sacrificed the atonement for sin once a year, every year. Once a year, every year. And they had to do it. Look, here comes Jesus. He would do it once and for all. With the old covenant with the blood and sacrifice of animals, it only covered the sin. That's all it did. It covered the sin with the blood of Jesus who takes away the sin. The covenant that God made with Abraham was incomplete. It required the sacrifice of animals every year as atonement for sins. Man deserved to die for his sin, and those sacrifices were a weak substitution. Then Christ came. As Pastor Eddie explains in today's message, Christ brought complete fulfillment of that original covenant. He, being the only perfect, sinless man and also God, was a perfect sacrifice. When we accept the redemption that he offers, it is as though we never sinned in God's eyes. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in Romans chapter 9 for today's edition of Running the Race. speaks of God's Shekinah glory, the visible glory of, of, of God. It shows God's presence among his people. Like when the Lord led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of cl- uh, fire by night. That was the Shekinah glory. As a matter of fact, um, the word glory is kabod, kabod, which means weight, substance, heaviness. So it's not just some vapor as we see the clouds in the sky. Yeah, that's what we use it in in our English term. But it's something that's heavy, a substance, something that weights. As a matter of fact, the Shekinah glory of God is so real and so powerful that in 1 Kings chapter 8, you read the story. The Shekinah glory was so heavy that the priest could not continue to minister in the temple. We couldn't go into the temple. It's just too powerful for us. It's just too powerful for us. The Shekinah glory was in the temple. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 10, 11, it said, And it came to pass when the priest came out of the holy place, that's the holy, the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not continue ministry because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. That same Shekinah glory. Remember, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is where Christians lack because... We, don't, we, we forget that God is, since God is consistent, his word is consistent. The word tells us no longer that we, he dwells in temples made by the hands of man. It's not in this place. Yes, when we're gathered together, we see it and we feel it. But you know what's the temple? You're the temple. Can it be? I mean, I'm trying to, you know, parallel the two. You know, if the priest came out of the temple because of the Shekinah glory, and if the Shekinah glory is in me in this physical temple, what's going to come out? Anything that's not of God. But the only way the Shekinah glory could come in and do the work of the Father if we allow him in. You see, 
the priests were in the holy place. They were in the place where they had to be. We need to be in the place where we ought to be in order for that to be in us. So God could shape us, fashion us, and mold us. So the children of Israel were were able to see the glory. The adoption, the glory, the third privilege they had is the covenants. The covenants. So the adoption, the covenant, um, the adoption, the glory, the covenants. And this this, uh, is referring to the various covenants made with the children of Israel. We have the Abrahamic covenant made through Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. When the Lord said, I'll multiply your descendants like the stars in the sky. Come here, old man. You're almost 100. <laughs> I'm going to multiply you to say they started. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. But Abraham believed it. Believed it. That's why the Lord used him. Then we have the Mosaic Covenant in Exodus chapters 19 to chapters 24. It talks about the, the commandments, the law. Then we have the Davidic Covenant through David, 2 Samuel. God promised through David and Israel that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would come from the lineage of David and the tribe of Judah. And he would establish his kingdom forever. You know, as some people say, you know, even some of the Jews will have that conversation with you probably today if you have the heart of sharing to, to Jews. And they say, well, we know that the Levitical tribe is where the priest would come. Yeah, but Melchizedek told Abraham, right, that he would, the Messiah would come from another. And God confirmed it through David. It's not the Levitical priesthood. It's through Judah, the tribe of Judah. We see these covenants God has made to Israel. Saints, you're not left out. However, you and I have a covenant. We have the new covenant. Praise the Lord. We have a new covenant. The covenant was prophesied through Moses, Jeremiah, Elijah. The new covenant was fulfilled through the blood, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Where, in, in, where the Old Testament, they were sacrificed the atonement for sin once a year, every year. Once a year, every year. And they had to do it. But here comes Jesus. He would do it. Once and for all. Well, the old covenant with the blood and sacrifice of animals, it only covered the sin. That's all it did. It covered the sin with the blood of Jesus takes away the sin. So Jesus' blood through his covenant, the new blood, takes away the sin once and for all. doesn't have to be repeated. Matthew chapter 28, verses 27 and 28. There the Lord took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It was fulfilled. So just like God is consistent, no favoritism, no partial, the same he made a covenant. He chose us. He chose Israel. He chose us. He made a covenant with Israel. He makes a covenant with us, but a new covenant. But here, this new covenant is coming in with this new law. So we have the adoption, we have the glory, we have the covenants, and then the giving of the law, the law. When, it, when you always see the law together, not just law, the law is referring to the commandments. It is not only referring to the Ten Commandments, but you've been here long enough. Saints, how many commandments are there in the Bible? That was a question. How many? 613. I've been saying this over and over again. We just think the Ten Commandments, right? But there's 613 commandments. There are 365 don'ts and 248 do's. You want to follow the law? You want to be the chosen people now? Uh, I don't think, I don't even think that's a privilege if you ask me. I love the Lord, but it really, oh, I broke this one. You know, as soon as you go to the temple, right, every year, you go, you give your, 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 your lamb, your sacrifice for your sins and for your family, and guess what? As soon as you walk out the temple, you already committed a sin, right? With 613, you're bound to break one. So I'm not sure that's a blessing. 
But here's the thing. They had all these laws that they had to abide. 365 don'ts, 248 do's. But as for you and I, praise be the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> we have this new covenant. This new covenant, there's really, there's it's two commandments, but summed up into one, one word, love. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 40, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, hang the law and the prophets. Why did the Lord use hang? Hang the laws and the prophets on these two. That's it. Lord, thank you. 613 commandments? Oy vey, really? Just two? Yes. Because you see, when you look at the Ten Commandments, love is the source of it all, saints. Love is the source of it all. When you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, guess what? Looking at the first four commandments is easy for you not to break them. Because I love God, there will be no other God. Because I love God, I will keep the Sabbath. Because I love God, I will not use his name in vain. Because I love God, I will not uh, create an image. Because I love my neighbor. So I love God as vertical and then hard. I love my neighbor, right? If I, because I love my neighbor. I don't want to lie to him. I don't want to, uh, you know, steal from her. You know, I don't want to kill her. You see, love is the source of it all. So they have those, the law. We have the new law. And praise be the Lord for that. All we have to do is love. So simple. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law. He did it for us. He did it for us with his earthly body. He was 100% God, 100% man. And he did it with his earthly body. So there was a life, there's life in blood, but there was no sin in his blood. That's why his blood is perfect. That's why he was the perfect sacrifice. He didn't break any of the laws. He was pure. He was God himself. So the next one, the fifth privilege they have is the service of God. Now, you may see the word in your Bible, the words, the two words, when it says the service of God, of God, you probably see in italics in your Bible, and that's because it's not in the original text. So the translators just put that in to help us understand what service it's referring to, and it's referring to, again, the service. The service is in the actual Greek. What is the service? Because there's a lot of service that we do, but the service is talking about the priestly service service and what the priest would do unto God. They would perform the service. Now, this is a blessing that I kind of like. Serve God. And the children of Israel had this privilege where out of every, every nation, tribe, and in every location, there's only one in the face of the earth during this time where the children, the priests, were actually serving God there on planet earth in the temple. You know, there's nothing more awesome and more satisfying than serving God. You and I are called to serve God. We have this tendency to think that to serve God, it needs to be a divine calling, an audible voice coming from heaven. Or we also have a tendency to think that a divine calling is only to be a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist. We forget that God calls plumbers, electricians, social workers, teachers, Mothers, fathers, and we can start now and serve God anytime, anywhere, and in any place. 
Saints, I'm going to tell you something, and I hope this sticks with us. Do you know there's no such thing as a Christian who does not serve? It's not biblical. There is no such thing of a Christian who does not serve God. How can we say we're Christians we don't serve God? We're not talking about worship and adoration. That we ought to do. But we're talking about a service unto God, to serve God in his kingdom, to serve God while we're here. And can I tell you that Jesus set the example? I mean, all he did was serve. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. For he was a king and priest. He ought to be served in worship. But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ himself serving. When you study the four gospels, look at it really good. And find out, and you see all the things Jesus has done for everyone. Healing the sick, raising the dead, feeding the thousands. But not one miracle he performed for himself, not one. You take that for homework. You got four Gospels to find one. Jesus didn't perform a miracle for himself. If you're saved, a believer of Christ, you should be serving somewhere in the kingdom of God. This is why I say the church is hurting in America. This is why a community, we worry about communities, but we worry about our schools. We worry about so many things because we're not doing what we're supposed to do. We're only Christians when we come to church or when we go home. But we're so busy with our life. We want to build our empire, have a nice, good career, you know, have a good portfolio, build your own, your own empire. But meanwhile, we forsake building, being co-laborers of Christ and building the kingdom of God here on earth. We have a problem. We have a problem. Jesus said... When he returns, this is what he said in Matthew 24, verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Find you doing, serving. Blessed is you. When Christ comes, he sees you, your sleeves rolled up. He sees that you're serving somewhere, somehow. And sometimes, this is, this is why... The churches are lacking in America. It's because you go to other third world countries. They have nothing. They have nothing. They live in poverty. But they will walk 15, 20 miles to sit down for five hours of preaching and teaching. And they would do anything to serve. They're ready and available. Their life is second, but God is first. We've got it around. We got to freak God in our schedule. God, you know, you know I'm an important person. You know I got this big business going on. You know I got all this going, but guess what? I'll try to fit you in, God. I got this other, you know, activity that I have, you know, with the family and with the kids. And yeah, we'll fit you in, God. We will. And it's not only coming to church; it's actually really serving in the kingdom of God. So we are to serve as the children of Israel serve. We have this privilege to serve God, to be co-laborers with Christ co-laborers. You know what that is? It's not like Jesus is going to stand there with his arms crossed and watch you do all the lifting. No, co-laborers. Jesus is rolling up his sleeves. The Holy Spirit is with us and helping us to do the work in the ministry. Now, here's the, uh, the, the sixth privilege and the promises. And the promises. Referring to the promises God has made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The promises he made with the fathers uh, to Moses, to David, to all the children of Israel. The promise of the coming Messiah. The promise of, of the land and that God would provide them with a land. Even Israel, again, again. You know, for almost, what, 2,000 years they haven't been in their land. You know what that is? 
And as, as God said, they will, be, they will be scattered throughout the world. You think after 10 years that that promise would kind of look, eh, I don't know. You think God forgot his promise 10 years after that? You think God forgot his promise with Israel that they would return back to Israel 100 years later, 1,000 years later, 2,000 years? No, 2,000 years later, now they take the land. They take the land and they're flourishing and God is bringing them back. God kept his promise. You know, the Bible is filled with promises from Genesis to Revelation. And, you know, it's impossible to actually count all the promises. When you say from Genesis to Revelation, it's filled with promises. According to one person's count, person counted 3,500 promises in the Bible. Another one counted 5,400 promises in the Bible. Wow, he has a lot of time. But at least he's reading his Bible, right? Now, I don't need to count them all. I don't think, you, you know, we need to count. There's, God is awesome, and I just need one of his promises good enough. And the promise is the Mashiach, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He came, he took my place, and I don't, I don't deserve that. That's the one promise. And boy, am I glad that, you know, we serve a God that is a promise keeper. He's a covenant maker and a covenant keeper. He keeps his promise. He keeps his covenant. And Jesus said to us, he said, he said, Go share the gospel, make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then when you get to the book of Acts, just before the day of Pentecost, there's a way in Jerusalem. But when the Holy Spirit comes, the promise, uh, you know, share the gospel throughout the world. And I will be with you always. I will be back. I'm going to prepare a place for you, you see. You go take care of what I've called you to do, what I ordained you to do. Be busy about my business, not your empire, but help me build this kingdom. I'm coming back. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm coming back. If I'm preparing a place for you, that means I'm coming back for you. That's a promise, saints. That's a promise. I'm glad that our promises are from God, not from man. And the seventh and last one, of whom are the fathers? Israel was so blessed with great men, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, the fathers. They're known as the fathers, but some would include Moses and David, all the others. But Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to these days, these men and their names are remembered, respected, and even studied more than any man in history. More than any man in history except for Christ. So what an amazing blessing. We see all this with Israel. Paul is just inserting this in because he's setting the stage. He's letting them know, listen, you know, I know about Israel and the children of Israel, and I'm going to give you a little schooling on that before we get to the, to the practical. But I want you to understand that all the privileges they had, this is why Paul writes, for I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ. For my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. Jesus was the word that became flesh. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was the promised one. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us, and he was with us, and he's still with us. Now, for you students, here is one of the many verses that clearly affirms the deity of Christ as God. 
for those of you who come across these cults and these religions that say that Jesus is not God, this is one of the many. Look at the bottom again. It says, uh, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is overall the eternally blessed God. Amen. This is one of Paul's clear statement that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. One, the common denominator, you'll find in different cults, even if they go under the banner of Christianity, Christendom, the common denominator is when they mess with the deity of Christ. They mess, if they mess with the deity of Christ, making Christ less, or uh, the spirit of antichrist, anti instead of, or in place of Christ, when they start messing with the deity of Christ, even if they fall under the Christian banner, it is a cult. It is not of the Lord. Because the scripture clearly says who he is. He is God. Even Thomas says, he calls Jesus, my Lord, my God. He is the son of God. When Jesus says, I am my father one, what do you think the Jews wanted to stone for? They knew what he was talking about. When he says, my father, the Jews never said my father. They never said that. They never say that. They say the father. But when somebody says my father, making it personal to the Jewish, to the cultures and the Jews, that's to say that he is one. He is from the father. That's why they wanted to stone him. Jesus is who he is. He's the eternally blessed God. And he ends this verse, this verse here with amen. Saints, our hearts should beat as one with God's heart. When it comes to the loss, when it comes to our fellow brothers, sisters in Christ, we, we should, it, should, it should be in our heart. We need to examine ourselves. And I think the more we want to be like Christ and not just, you know, in action and in life. Yeah, we do that. But in our hearts, you know, pray to Lord, can I see what you see? Lord, that guy, Eddie, I just don't get him. Why, why do you love him? The angelic hosts are studying you and I. The angels up in the edge of heaven looking down and says, I don't understand why Jesus died for these guys. What these who are these people? These filthy people. Why? Sometimes the Lord, I want to see through everything. I don't want to judge anyone. I know that every person has a soul and they need salvation. There is only one way. And Lord, I want to have your heart. Creating me a heart that would have a passion to share the gospel for the lost. Share the gospel to the lost. I pray that be our prayer. But remember, we're also chosen. You look at Israel. What God has done for Israel, he'll do for you too. You are adopted. You're co-heirs with God, co-heirs with Christ. In chapter 8, Paul tells us, we have an awesome place that we could call him Abba Father. Amen. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
This incredible truth applies to us even today. We didn't do anything to warrant God's acceptance and love of us. He saw us while we were still sinners and loved us despite that. Would you like to know more about what that means for you? Please give us a call at 570-296-7367. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church family you can be a part of. The believers you'll encounter there will help you grow in your faith and offer you support in every situation. If you are in the New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania area, We'd love to have you come join us here in person at Calvary Chapel of Milford. For service times and more information, visit runningtheraceradio.com. If you'd like to listen to more messages from Running the Race, Tracy has more information on how. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor Eddie, go to runningtheraceradio.com and then click on the radio page. There you'll find today's message and many more. Thanks, Tracy. Join us next time for the continuing verse-by-verse study of Romans with Pastor Eddie Pinero right here on Running the Race. 